We would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of this land. We pay our respect to elders past and present, to the future generations keeping the songlines alive, and extend that respect to other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who are listening. I'm Lauren Taylor. And I'm Simon Winkler. You're listening to City Central by Red Bull. We're passionate music fans and broadcasters based in Melbourne. Over six episodes, we look into the past, present and future of this global music city and meet a small selection of artists, labels, collectives and pioneers making Melbourne such a dynamic place. We'll be asking the questions, who are the people and what are the places that form a strong musical community? How do you create space for a safer, more inclusive scene? And how do we acknowledge a country's history in music? As a community, when we put on a show, like that's a space that we can take over for three hours, a room in a venue, put artists on and, um, you know, maybe we can have someone on, on the door that kind of gets us. And that as an experience, like an urban experience, as a queer urban experience is really important. Simona Castricum, producer, electronic artist, architecture academic, performer and DJ, who's been elevating dance floors and minds one gig at a time for over 20 years. In this episode, how has resistance, risk, pleasure and escape formed the Melbourne that we know today? And how can we make a safer, more inclusive music city in the future? Simona shares her early journey as an artist, finding her place in Melbourne after studying in Geelong, reflecting on the history of Melbourne's queer music scenes. Yeah, it was just really taking any opportunity I possibly could to not only, I guess, like play music to people, my own music or other people's music, but also just to connect with people that were into the bands that I was into. And kind of, I guess, like university kind of gave me that opportunity to do that. But it was also like trying to find queer people. And again, like, you know, in Geelong, I thought, oh, wow, I'm going to Geelong. What am I going to do? And I I found like a really awesome queer musical community down there. And and some of those influences that we shared and those interests that we shared in the mid-90s still last with me. So then sort of emerging through from like the mid-90s, it's kind of like, well, how do I sort of, you know, exist in Melbourne as a queer artist, queer musician, queer DJ? How do I get out of Geelong? And what do I do when I arrive in Collingwood or Richmond or Fitzroy and it's like the sort of late 90s. So places like Q&A, for instance, which was like every Thursday at the Builder's Arms, you know, Pete Kung, Richard Watts, Helen, my DJ there. And it was this amazing cross-fertilisation of queers, punks, um, like indie kids, goths, like fetish crew. And um, yeah, we just get absolutely smashed every Thursday night and we would celebrate in that way and find love and sex and pots of booze and whatever. And out of this came a a really awesome musical community, which went straight through in the 2000s as well. Simona's latest single is called Generations, in part a reflection on the need for greater intergenerational dialogue. I'm a Gen Xer. And I think that there are these really big divisions between boomers, Gen Xers, millennials and Zeds in the queer and gender non-conforming communities, of which there are many. And I think there are some real big misunderstandings between those generations. And I'm really interested in 
how we can be more intergenerational. Yeah. I mean, I used to party in the 90s and I used to see like all the 40-year-olds standing at the bar having a great time. I was 20 at the time and be like, I want to be the 40-year-old at the bar having a great time and I want to chat to those people. So we're not in my 20s, like I made friends with people in their 40s who they would tell me stories about the tasty police raid. They would tell me stories about queer clubs in the 80s. I was super interested in those stories and I was super interested in the fact that in the 90s we were continuing that that legacy. We were creating those spaces of resistance that were actually about celebration. It's very difficult for us to participate in the ecosystem of the music industry when we are not played on the levels above community radio. And at the moment, it's grassroots and community radio and grassroots and community organising, event organising, that gives us any longevity. That needs to change. Because I often get asked to <laughs> talk at the music festival and play music at the architecture festival. I don't understand why. Because for some reason, that's the curiosity in me. And I want the curiosity in me, an artist like me, a gender non-conforming artist, or an artist <laughs> to be my music. Everyone just kind of sees me in that way and I think that's a huge problem. I think that that's what demonstrates how tokenism is still a huge part of why there's an interest in someone like me. Katie Pearson, aka Whiskey Houston, Red Bull Music Festival Melbourne DJ, is another local music icon. A regular at your favourite DJ's favourite parties, Katie has also been instrumental in making Melbourne a safer, more inclusive city. So my personal name is Katie Pearson. Uh, my DJ name is Whiskey Houston. Uh, I've been DJing in Melbourne for approximately 12 years. I got into it really just by running my own queer parties, booking myself on lineups, my own lineups, <laughs> and... I still run queer parties now. Um, the Outpost Disco is my current one, which is quite infrequent, but we've been going for almost six years, or actually six years now. But yeah, that's just basically I had to book myself on lineups because at the time that I started DJing, there weren't really a lot of women playing around the scene. There were a few of the old school ones like Jeanette and Kitty, but women weren't really getting a look in. Um, and so it was really hard to kind of get noticed. So I just ran my own parties and got my own gigs that way and built them up. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess maybe just on that subject, just to begin with, with, um, with the Outpost Disco, for example, and maybe with all of the events that you have arranged and produced over the years, would you say that there's like an underlying principle or philosophy that kind of guides the events that you're putting together? Oh, definitely. Um, the intention of running queer parties really is providing space for the queer community to um, feel completely comfortable partying and dancing and hooking up in an environment that is completely safe and you know that there are door policies essentially like not permitting people who are going to be homophobic into the venue so you can enjoy yourself like with that comfort to know that your community is around you and like you are not only just held safe by the venue and security but your own community is looking out for you at every step in um in those spaces. Katie, I guess in this podcast we're 
we're looking at the infrastructure and culture of Melbourne as a music city, I guess, in terms of venues or interconnected scenes, community radio, things like that. How have you seen Melbourne's music culture change over your time? I think that, I mean, even when I first moved to Melbourne, what I really noticed is that it is a very politically active city and a lot of people make comments on that all the time uh, when you're talking about rallies and protests people who don't live in Melbourne are like wow Melbourne really knows how to do a protest like you'll protest everything you possibly can and they're often quite effective and yeah I definitely agree with that and I think that kind of culture is also directly reflected in the music scene there was really strong advocacy in the broader music scene maybe five or six years ago, I think. So when Listen, the organisation started, when Evelyn Morris decided to embark on that mission, that was a real big turning point for Melbourne and it was basically a protest on the cyber waves, essentially. So marginalised people and women just started making a lot of noise in the internet space and telling people that it's not okay, that the current climate of like equality in the music industry is like not okay and something needs to be done about that and a lot of progress has happened since then like it's definitely been noticeable there's a lot more women booked in the scene for sure a lot more queer people there's still a long way to go in terms of people of color like you look at lineups and they'll be completely white and it's really not reflective of who's actually making music and playing music but that's something that everyone should really think of when they start to think things like, oh, I think, like, we're looking pretty good now. There's, like, all these women playing gigs. It's like, well, that's only, like, one step towards reaching a more equal music scene. But, yeah, I think Melbourne is definitely a scene where people's ears are often open. And I think people are actually just being forced to change the way things are because if you don't get on board this change, you are going to be left behind really quickly. Georgia Flippo, also known as G-Flip, is from a new generation of Melbourne musicians making an impact with their strong songwriting, bold production and honest lyricism. Formerly booking artists at venues like Revolver, G-Flip is someone paving the way and making space for others with her music. G-Flip remembers reading years ago a quote that said, create the things you wish existed. It's been a guiding philosophy for her life and career. I remember thinking when I was just a young musician, when I'd turn on the TV, I'd always see female musicians who were, you know, shaking their booty in hot little outfits. Um, And that was just never me and that was never something that I kind of identified with, I guess. And I always wished that there was, I guess, a pop artist that was not dressed like that and was dressed more kind of like a tomboy, like how I used to dress and was maybe playing drums and singing. So that was like, I know that if I was went back to when I was like 12 years old, I would have loved there being like a pop artist that played drums and sang and, you know, didn't dress in little shorties, you know, and that's something that I knew I would have liked. So when I read Create Things You Wish Existed, I was like, man, I wish that existed. And then I guess... Uh, it gave me more confidence to do that myself and be that person that I wish was around when I was, you know, a young teenager. With my music, I always, I actually write music how I talk, I feel. Um, 
it's always very straight to the point and just exactly I tell it how it is and just what is going on in my life. Um, so if I've had a fight with my girlfriend, I will write that. I, and I write songs just depending on how I'm feeling on that day. I write, I write songs most days and however I'm feeling that day, I'll write a song about it. And I think so far what I've, I've heard back from people who are fans of my tunes, they love how open I am, especially with my sexuality and using female pronouns. They find so much comfort in that and there's been, um, which is so humbling, there's been so many messages that I've got from the LGBTQ youth who've sent me lovely messages online saying, you know, um, you being so open with your relationship and, you know, you just letting your story out into the world has given me confidence to be who I am because you're not afraid to be who you are and it gave me confidence to come out to my friends and family and I've had so many messages like this. It's so touching and it's so great. And it's um, if I can fulfill that role for anyone in being a, a role model, then um, I'm just so humbled by that. G-Flip, whose debut About Us has just been released, is a local artist and Australian music ambassador whose unique skills and determination are opening new paths for the local music community. What other changes will we see and need to see in years to come is something we ask Simona to consider. Well, I think musical styles will change because they always do, but I have no idea what they will be. I mean, that's the sort of $50,000 question with the trip to Rosebud in it. <laughs> that's the prize, isn't it? I mean, you know, um, yeah, it'll change, but I don't know what it'll change to. So I probably, you know, I'll leave that to the next generation of artists to answer that question in due course. But I do think that structural change is happening and I, I think it's absolutely happening at community and grassroots level and I think it's starting to push through into the next tier of ecosystem there's some resistance but there are also people at some industry functions who probably might not have been there like 10 or so years ago you know that are part of I guess the system and and people in executive power is beginning to kind of change to I guess people other than this is white het person who's calling the shots it's not coming fast enough but it's coming and so I hope that extends to you know, in the next 10 years I guess seeing queer people coming through and like owning owning their queerness and owning their sexuality and owning their gender outside of that sort of male female binary and that the industry will sort of value that and that punters the audience will value that You've been listening to City Central by Red Bull. Next episode, how do we acknowledge a country's history in music? We hear from Alice Skye, Dreaming Now, Dallas Woods and Rebecca Hatch about identity, heritage and home. City Central was created by Lauren Taylor and Simon Winkler with additional production assistance by Matthew Wilson and music by Andrush.